Uh, we're just grateful for each and for all. And so we're grateful to have you with us today. It's good to see you. And um, it's uh, interesting, you know, I almost wish this platform extended out, had extended out several feet so I could actually see you. <laughs> Some of you are so far removed, I, I see a, a good number in the, toward the back, and we're glad you're here. Uh, but boy, I'd sure like to be able to see somebody up in these, uh, these seats. Like, I, I think that's human nature. Uh, I know when I go home to visit my parents or I go to, as a guest to a church, I usually sit in the back seat. Uh, that's my seat. And uh, it might be someone else's until I get there. But when I go, it's, uh, I take possession of it. And they smile and bear it. So anyhow, uh, we thank God for all of you. And um, uh, this morning, uh, I just, can I just, I, know, I don't want to create hardship. Is there any way just lightening this or dimming this a little bit, just uh, a little bit, uh, if you can, if you don't mind? If you do, I, I forgive you. Uh, I hope you forgive me for asking. But anyhow, Second Samuel chapter 7, and we welcome you who are online, those who are in the building, and um, I ask that you continue to pray. Uh, we probably don't want to put names out there for public consumption, but we do, uh, you know, we've called out some needs this morning, and maybe you're aware uh, and um, we pray for those and for others who are afflicted in their bodies as well and those who have needs. And so Second Samuel chapter 7, I want to talk to you about God's calling and God's seasons. And uh, the text that I refer to is found in Second Samuel chapter 7. And uh, so we look at what God has to say uh, to David. And he says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Uh, your own flesh and blood, I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. You know, there are really three primary portions of scriptures that talk about the fact that David had been informed that he would not build the temple as he had aspired to do. And uh, in fact, it would be Solomon, who, uh, his, his son, uh, who would come and would be the king, his successor, and uh, he would be the one who would build that, that temple. And uh, so I was thinking about this, and I've read this scripture you know, a few times, and um, we're all uh, a piece of a puzzle, really. We're all important, but we're a piece of the puzzle. Uh, we're all part of a, 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 um, a program that God has set in place. All of us are part of something larger than ourselves. And, uh, you know, we have our time, we have our placement, we have our involvement in life, and none of us are forever. No one's forever. You know, we don't, we're, uh, no one is gonna, you know, we're not always gonna be here in the manner that we're here on this earth at this time. And, uh, so we, we find during our lifetimes that there are, are seasons and there are places and there are assignments and there are things that all of us are called to do. This doesn't just apply to pastors. This certainly applies to all of us. And so I would ask you to consider a couple of things. The first one I would ask you to think about is, uh, do you live your life understanding that you are a piece of the puzzle? 
that means, do you recognize that you have instrumentality in God's purpose and that you are a piece of something larger than yourself? That you're part of something that will, uh, will live with you and beyond you? That all of us are part of something that God has designed and purpose for us to be a part of. And our role in that, and our placement in that bigger picture is up to God's sovereign design. God is sovereign. That means that God has, uh, all things exist and all things exist for God's glory. You know, by God and for His glory. So when you think about it, God has the absolute right to do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, wherever He wants, involving whoever He wants to use. So that means that God has that sovereign authority uh, to do whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to, wherever he wants to, uh, among whoever he desires to do that. So David had made the assumption out of a great desire that he had. You know, David now having settled and now in control of the full kingdom of Israel had, had a house of cedar, the Bible says. He was living in opulence. He was living as a king. And as David realized in his thinking that he says, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And uh, Nathan replied to David, whatever you have in mind, do it for God is with you. But that night, the the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David that uh, this is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build a house for me to dwell in. I I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought Israel up out of Egypt to this day. I have moved from one tent site to another, from one dwelling place to another. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their leaders whom I commanded to shepherd my people, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, I tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so they have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed." Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also subdue all the nations, all all your enemies. He says, I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you when your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors I will raise up an offspring to succeed you one of your, your own sons and I will establish his kingdom he is the one who will build a house for me and I will establish his throne forever 
I will be his father and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. And Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. So you look at other passages of scripture in First Chronicles 17, chapter 22 and chapter 28. These passages give a little more detail as to why it was that God had purposed to use Solomon to build the temple. And when you read this scripture, you know, it becomes pretty clear uh, that David was a man of war, that David was a man who had uh, blood on his hands, so to speak, because he had engaged the enemies of God's people and he had slaughtered a lot of them. And you know, he, he was a man who was a warrior from youth. As a young man, he took down Goliath. And throughout the years, he was a man of bloodshed, and he was a man accustomed to war. And, uh, you know, the one time that he stayed home uh, during the time that kings went off to war, he got into trouble. And that was with uh, Bathsheba, and uh, we know that. So, you know, some have speculated that it was because of David's sin with Bathsheba that God would not allow him to build uh, the uh, temple. And, you know, we, we first understand that this first uh, cl- clarification that uh, Solomon would build the temple was given, at least from what it appears to be prior to David's fall with uh, Bathsheba and the, and the sin of uh, killing Uriah. So when we think about this, uh, you know, I, I, I want to look at it just um, and maintain the fact that David uh, would, was told because he was a, a warring king, because he was a man who had shed much blood, and he was known as being a conqueror, a conquering king, that God spoke to him and told him that it wouldn't be him. And you know, there, there's some important things to consider here. You know, in Zechariah 4, 6, God told uh, 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 the uh, Zerubbabel uh, and those who had gathered there that, uh, that uh, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You know, that God would accomplish his purposes, not through might, not through power. And the temple was to be a representation of what God was going to bring about. That God was going, everything about the temple was to serve as a type of what God was purposing to bring forward through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. He would be the prince of peace. He would, uh, he would change the hearts of men. And you know, David could not, no matter the force of his person, could ever change the heart of one person. You know, when you think about it, you know, when you, uh, when you by force, force someone to do something, it doesn't change their hearts. You can make laws, but laws don't change the hearts of men, right? You can parent children, and you can, you can set uh, guidelines in the household for the children, but it doesn't mean that the child necessarily will honor you in your heart. It's ill-advisable to not set a standard. That's not God's way. But we have to understand that really the changes have to come internally. And so God had shown to David that it would not be a man of war who would be responsible for building this temple that would serve as a window into God's plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. 
but it would be a king associated with peace. It would be a king of peace. It would be a king whose temperament and personality would be one given toward peace rather than one who was a man of war. Was it because David was a bad king? Absolutely not. But in God's sovereign plan, he had purposed that it would be a king of peace who would build the temple. It would not be a king of war who would build the temple, but in God's design and in his sovereign plan, God said it would be a king of peace, and that would be Solomon. Now, you know, I, I, I share that to say, uh, to lead into where we're headed here. And, you know, I, again, I remind you that the old temple, the Old Testament temple service was designed by God to reveal his plan to bring healing to mankind from sin. In the old economy, the old law, in the, in the law, it didn't satisfy all of the, the demands that would be lifted upon man's shoulders or lifted off of man's shoulders through the person of Christ who would come and lift that and satisfy the demands. The temple had to be built by someone who used the principles of God's kingdom and who would accurately reveal Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is the builder of God's true temple, of which the Old Testament was merely a symbol or a type. You know, when we think about this story, it really presents some challenges. And there, there are different timelines presented by different scholars and ideas about how all of this all fell out. But the bottom line really is this. That David wanted to build the temple for God. It was an ambition and a desire to build a structure for God to host the glory of God now that uh, it could be established in uh, Jerusalem. We look at this and we see. And so as we think about this, again, I want to say God is sovereign. You got to keep that in mind. God is sovereign. And uh, I want to preface a lot of what I'm going to say today uh, just in a few words. Uh, you know, I, I, am, I want to first of all, I'm, I, I feel like I, I want to clarify something. You know, uh, people may uh, ask why the transition here. I want to tell you, yes, there are physical issues here. But deep down, there has to be a confirmation and a peace from God. You know, it's not about an affliction. It's about the, the, what God has spoken into the situation and hearing from the Lord. And, you know, that's something that has to be intimate and personal. So, first of all, I'm not suggest, I want you to understand something uh, because somehow it's always difficult to present to people why transition happens. And, yes, I do have some physical challenges right now. But I have been praying about this and Robin for some time. And we've been seeking God's heart and waiting upon him. And with the consideration that we are part of something and not the, the, uh, we're not the heart of something. We are part of a bigger design, a bigger plan that God has. And God not only allows us to see what we're doing, but he gives us a glimpse into what it is that he desires to do. And as David would soon know that it was not God's desire for him to build that temple, he still had a vision of what it was that God was going to do in the building of the temple. And so, you know, I can see things that I know are part of, are, are the heart of God for this church. 
And I see things that I know necessitate certain characteristics and certain qualities in the leadership and in the person that God, uh, persons that God establishes to lead that in that direction. And so as I recognize that and I see that, I've had to come to a place where, uh, you know, I realize that God either uh, has given me peace and Robin in the direction that he's given us, or it's something that we have done in response to a physical ailment. And I want to just, I just want right now to tell you I am not leaving this church because I am sick. I'm leaving this church because it is time. You hear that? It's time. And it's not because of anything that anyone's done. It's not because of some underlying issue. It's just I can see what God wants to do here. And I know in my heart that God has said it's time for someone else. So I, I realize that people, uh, you know, because I, I, yeah, not being, you know, having some of the things happening, they are very difficult to function through. But I want you to know, uh, because I want you to realize that this isn't an example for others to follow that based upon the belief that when you have difficulties, that's when you leave. Because that is not what's happening here. And I want to specify that. I want to make that in completely clear that just as, uh, you know, David had a vision for what it was that God wanted to do with the people, God also gave him a word that says, it's not yours to do. You hear this morning that, uh, you know, I, this came into my heart one, one, well, I don't know when it was, but, you know, there's always going to be unfinished work. But it's not always going to be your unfinished work or my unfinished work. It's going to be a continuation of what God purposes to do. And God will raise up the people that are to lead that. Amen? How many of you are confident that the Lord who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail upon it, has this in, he has this in control? Because if you don't, then you're going to be in trouble. But I want to say God is sovereign. There are certain things that God has predestined, and I believe that. Uh, I believe that, and I'm not talking about uh, eternal uh, or uh, predestination as to people's salvation. I will say this, and I only say this, that I do believe in predestination with regard to salvation. I believe that God purposes and he chooses as his elect all who come to Christ. All who come to Christ. God foresees those who come to Christ and we are elect in him. I believe that God gives every person the free will to come to him. It's through the drawing of God's spirit. It's God drawing people into him. But I, also, I will just simply say that. So this isn't the kind of predestination I'm talking about. Jeremiah 1.5 God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. That to me sounds like something that's predestined, right? It's not something that happened because someone thought it was a good idea. 
And uh, Psalm 139.16, your eyes saw my substance before being yet unformed. And in your book, all uh, in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet none of them had, or as, of, as yet there were none of them. Uh, Luke uh, one fifteen. it says of John the Baptist, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Luke chapter 3, verse uh, 4, it says, As it is written in the books of, uh, a book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths. You know, it's talking about that ministry that would arise prior to the coming of Christ that would prepare people for, for his advent. Revelation 13, 8, it says, a life belong, the book, uh, it says, these are the uh, ones whose names are not written in the book of life that belong to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. It had already been purposed and preordained that Jesus would die for all of us. So there are things that God has already purposed to plan in his will. How many of you believe that God has a purpose for this church? He has a plan for this church, and he has revealed glimpses into that purpose over the years and in time. But God has a purpose and a plan. How many of you believe that God has a design and a purpose for your life? As individuals, God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He's already made declarations over your life. David lived in a house of cedar, a dwelling of opulence, fitting a king. And he had purposed that he would build God a, a house, fitting for the king of glory. And David, as he had a noble desire to see a house constructed for the Lord, to replace the tabernacle being uh, with one that is established as a house of his dwelling, it was David's deep, deep, grand desire to build that for the Lord. He had a burning desire to build a house for God. You know, we have a desire over this house. We have a desire over this fellowship. We both, Robin and I, have a burning desire for this house. We envision and we see things that are, are well beyond us, that we pray that God will bring into fruition and that he'll raise people up to serve his sovereign will for this church. I pray that for your life. I pray that you will walk in accordance with God's design and purposes for your life. It was David's presumption that he would be that person responsible for constructing the temple. He shared his desire to build a house uh, with Nathan the prophet. And you know, Nathan said, that's a good idea. Go ahead, do it. It sounds great. How many know sometimes things may sound great, but it's not God's plan? Sounds like a great idea, go for it. But you know, great ideas don't always represent the will of God. And that's where we must hear from the Lord because sometimes good ideas are traps. Because we, we pursue good ideas because they just feel good and they, uh, they come out of an aspiration to see certain things happen. But we've got to know the will of God. You've got to know the will of God for your life. 
It's not enough to live your life based upon what you feel and you think and what you'd like to do. You've got to know the will of God because that brings all of our uh, feelings and thoughts and emotions as the Holy Spirit brings them into alignment with God's purpose for your life. The Bible says uh, for as many as uh, are the children of God, you know, we are led by the Spirit, right? Nathan joined David in his erroneous presumption and was corrected and told that it would not be David who would build the house of the Lord. You know, as Nathan encouraged David to follow through on his desire to build a temple for the Lord, you know, the Lord came to him uh, immediately and said to him that it was not to be David. He says, uh, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. How many know the bottom line is not what you think, not what you feel, not what you see, not what you hear, but what the Lord says. Come on, church. We're in church today, right? What the Lord says. What the Lord says. It's not what I think, not what I feel, not what I want, but it's what the Lord says. And we got to hear him. You say, well, how do I know what the Lord says? Well, you got to listen. Amen. He who has an ear to hear, right? Let him hear what the spirit says. That's what the word says. If you have your spiritual ears, how many have spiritual ears? You, you have spiritual ears. You listen in to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. You know, I'm, I'm going to be soon to be 60. I'm catching up to some of you, uh, running past, way past others. And, uh, you know, nobody plans to make these kind of decisions at 60 years of age because really, you know, you, you know, I don't know. You know. It's just difficult when you do that. And uh, we prayed about it and uh, a lot about, uh, so you say, what's your plan? I, you know, I've shared my plan with you. I, I, I've, I have said I will never pastor again. Uh, because that's uh, in part where my heart has uh, w- is for the future. But, uh, you know, I need to step back because Holy Spirit, uh, as he speaks into my heart, uh, you know, he, he, that might be different at some point. But right now, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to eat every day at McDonald's. And, uh, and uh, every, you know, that's what we're going to do. Every day we're going to eat at McDonald's. Aren't we, Robin? No. <laughs> Every day I'm going to eat at McDonald's. So, at, uh, you know, at first Nathan encouraged David, and yet the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, change their plan, telling them that, that he was to speak to David. And he said, hey, that's not, not what, what, what's happening here. You know, there are reasons that God chooses whom he chooses and why he says no or times up to those to whom he says no or to time, or, or time's up. You know, one of the reasons revealed in the Davidic covenant was that David was a warring king responsible for the bloodshed of many. His reign was marked by the defeat of God's enemies and in many cases resulted in their deaths. You know, he said, the word says in First uh, Chronicles 28, you have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. And so, you know, it's not a rebuke, but it's a fact that David was a warrior. His mentality was a warrior. I kind of think of it this way. If Robin and I were going to ask Jim Stoller to build a house for us, 
You know, that's if you heard that, right? There's, that means that it's not ever going to happen. But uh, I love you, Jim, but I'm not asking you. Or you ask somebody to construct a house for you, and they have this idea of what the house should be, and they're telling you it needs to be this, that, and the other. And I'm not talking about the uh, structural integrity of it. I'm talking about design. You know, what's suitable, and they have an idea of what's suitable, and they say, if I build it, I want to build it this way. And you say, well, uh, and you realize that their flavor is going to be in the house. It's going to be manifest through the house. And uh, so you choose someone else. You have a design for someone else because based on what you have, des- you have known the design is to be, you pick. And so da- God did not want a man of war to build his house. God wanted a king of peace to build his house, and God would raise that king of peace up, and it would be Solomon. There's no great exposition in the first few scriptures as to what God meant by a man of bloodshed with blood on his hands and all of that kind of thing, although when you read the scriptures, it's clear that David was a man of war, and he did shed blood. And uh, there is always a bigger picture that includes others. This is never just about me. Come on, how many of you know that? It's never just about you. It's never just about the way I feel or what I want or how it strokes me. It's about something bigger than ourselves. It's always about something bigger than ourselves. You know, when Paul uh, gives instructions to those who took their liberties to eat meat, he he brought them to a place of understanding that this isn't just about you. It's about others who will be affected by what you do. And he says, if my eating meat offends the weaker brother, he says, I'll never do it again. And you know, sometimes in life, we, ha- we just get locked into our circumstances and our situations, and our view of life becomes uh, centered and focused solely about self-interest. You know, and I don't, and, 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 and you know, God says, no, this is about something bigger. Um, if we live as ordained by God, our lives will always be preparatory for what God will advance in his purposes beyond us. You know, I've never celebrated anyone who bragged about how much churches grew under their leadership and how terrible they were when they left. That to me is, uh, there's a, uh, I don't know if it's a Greek word, but it's one I'm making up probably, vomitous. Makes me want to vomitous. I'm not impressed. It doesn't speak well. Because, you know, uh, David, when you look at David, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, David, David demonstrated, I think, what's needed in any, any transition or any advancement of a purpose beyond our own involvement. But, you know, God desired peace. It would not be a warring king who would build the temple, but a king of peace. You know, you read this scripture. Listen, here's kind of what it means. First Samuel 29, 5. Is this not David of whom they sang to one another in dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. You see, so David was a man of war and bloodshed. He was known and celebrated for that. And God said very simply, in this season, it's going to be someone else. From Goliath to the thousands that were slain uh, as a young man to a battle-worn old, older man, David was a warrior. 
The Prince of Peace will be seated upon the throne. How many of you pray that the world will know the Prince of Peace? That's why transition should never, should never, should never be a cesspool of chaos. Come on, church. Anybody? You know, that means you don't get 55,000 people running around, uh, uh, you know, uh, trying to maneuver and to push and to do what they want. Because really, in the end of it, you have to be united and have one mind. So I'm, I'm going to say to the church here, I care enough to say this, that during a transition, it will always be an open door of opportunity for people who have agendas to emerge. And you need to be prayerful and wary, wary of that and, and to stay the course. That's why you pray for your leadership. You pray for those who have to make these decisions and present them before the church. You, the most influential thing that you can do that is righteous is to pray over this whole process. The Prince of Peace, and some was the, uh, in, 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 as we look at this, it, the peace of God is associated with the Lord. Micah 4, 3, he shall judge between the peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. What? Prince of Peace. Now here's, uh, we're down, getting down toward the end here. How, how do we re- react to God's will? I've said this and I want to be held to it because I don't want to just say it. I want you to know that I've said it and I want to move with integrity. The worst thing that I could do uh, for this church is for me to stand in the background cutting the legs out of whoever God purposes to bring to this church. I have no place to stand and second guess who God brings here and what God has called that person to do. And if I were to do that from anything on the phone, on the internet, on Facebook, whatever it is, if I do that, I I give you a license to tell me to shut up. Because, you know, as Lou Trotta said, and Lou Trotta's been gone a long time, he was a man of God, an older saint. He said, it's funny how we can pastor churches better when we leave than we could when we were there. And I want to say to you, I I say that based on what you're going to see in this scripture as with David's response to the fact that he would not be the one to build that temple it's, uh, you know, since David was forbidden from building the temple himself, he helped to gather materials and prepare the plans for the temple's construction. He gave encouragement to Solomon. I think that's a good example, isn't it? That David supplied and he encouraged. He gave counsel uh, to, the, to David or Solomon uh, that he would succeed. His ambition was that Solomon would succeed in the advancement of what God had purposed to do. And I'm telling you, not for show, I'm just going to tell you, that's what's coming from here and there. 
You're never, I am never not one time, I am never one time by God's grace and help and my commitment am I ever going to speak a negative word about whoever God brings here. Not one. So don't ever call me, don't ever email me, don't ever subscribe to me and ask me to do so because you will not get it. Amen? Kind of quiet, isn't it? I want My prayer is that as God leads, whoever God brings here will be able to hit the ground running. It's hard to sow vision into discord. And there can be no discord. You know, people say strong vision unites people, but you understand this. When there is division, it's hard to sow vision. Your agenda is laid at the feet of Christ. You know, it's not about you having your ministry and doing your thing. Whenever God leads a pastor into this church and provides, uh, you know, an under-shepherd and a headship to this church, that person has been called and placed by God to, to set forth the vision that God has given, and the church is to work together in that vision. Not your thing, not my thing, Not anybody else's thing. It's what God has purposed to do through that person whom he has called here. And if he comes in or whoever comes in here uh, is able to do that from the ground running, this church will take off to new heights. Need to have families in here. There should be kids in this house. There's a lot of kids elsewhere, but I'm saying there should be teens and young people and young adults and older people and seniors all coming together and thriving in this house together. Come on, church. Do you see that? Do you have a vision for that happening? Because if it's just people my age, we're not going to be around forever. How many, I want to give you a little, little, little uh, reminder or maybe a realization. You're not going to be around forever either. <laughs> yeah, somebody said praise the Lord. Yeah, that's, some, that's right. That's right. God, David desired for the house of God to be glorious. You know, what he wanted to do, no matter the nobility of such a desire, was not God's will for his life and for the people And sometimes we want positions that are not ours. Sometimes we want jobs that are not ours. And sometimes we envision things that other hands will complete. If, if it is, if they are to be done. How many here believe that God wants you to live your life in such a way that there, that the blessing just continues on after you're gone? There are times when we may not know why God chooses to do what he does. And you know what? I would say for me, that's most of the time. Except for when he chooses to reveal to me the things that he chooses for me to know. But you know something? There's, I trust him. And trust is my confidence in God's integrity. 
God is a God of integrity. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. David was committed to the construction of the temple. And uh, the Bible says David gave orders to assemble the foreigners residing in Israel. And from among those, uh, them, he appointed stone cutters and uh, other uh, to, peop- to prepare and dress stone for the building of the house of God. He provided a large amount of iron to make nails for the doors of the gateways and for the fittings and more bronze than could be weighed. He also provided more cedar logs than could be counted for the Sidonians and the Tyrians had brought large numbers of them to David. And David said, my son Solomon... He is unexperienced, young and unexperienced, and the house is to be built for the Lord, should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. What you are doing, what I am doing, is preparatory for what God is going to do. And it was true in David's case. So David made extensive preparations before his death. He knew that he would not live to see all that God had purposed to do. I love this portion of scripture and I have to read this because it really tells us a lot about David. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. But this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name. Because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. But you will have a son who will, build a, who will be a man of peace. And rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon. And I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. And he says, now, I love this part. I absolutely love this part. He says, now my son, the Lord be with you. And may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God as he, has said, he, as he said you would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and the laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. He says, I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too, uh, too great to be weighed and wood and stone. And you may add to them 
You have many workers, stone cutters, masons, carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond numbers. Now begin the work and the Lord will be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel. Hear this. I love this. I can't say it enough. I love, love, love this. I want to break this pulpit. I'm so excited. Not really. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon. That's what I want to be. I'm going to be the guy that says, whoever God brings here, you help him. You work with him. Whatever resources that we have been able to leave behind, whatever qualities, whatever things that have been helpful to the employment of whatever God brings in, you use it. And whatever things are unique and personable to the person that God brings in here, you support. I am praying for you and I am speaking to you today that you are to bless whoever God brings here. Don't you ever curse them with your mouth. Don't you ever speak evil of that person whom God brings in here. Don't you ever cause injury to them because they're the person that God has gifted to this church and you are God's gift to them. And so today, as we, we come to this, you know, I like it. David could have said, I, if I'm not doing it, I'm not helping. God, you made a mistake. This kid's immature. And David said he doesn't know what he, he said he doesn't really understand what he's doing, but he didn't say that to put him down. He said that because he recognized that he needed help. Some people preen and gloat in life when they see someone falter or fail or when they see them struggle. I'm going to tell you here and now, that is not the will and the heart of God. That is not the heart of God. Come on, church. You say, that can, I'm telling you, that can never happen here. This has to be a church united in Christ because you know something? There are things that encroach upon what God had purposed and designed for this church. And I can't say this enough. I, got, I, get, I, I get weary when I hear people, my ministry, my ministry, my ministry, my ministry. I'm going to tell you, and this is what I've told people since I've been here. I've never, I've never stolen anybody's ministry. I've never shut anybody's ministries down. But what I have told people is this, that if you are involved in a ministry, it comes under the umbrella of Bethel Assembly of God. And it is part of the whole, not, at all, not something of its own. And if that isn't good enough, then you're going to have to think about what you're doing. Because we are a team here. We function as one. We function as a whole. It's not about me and mine and yours and his and hers. It's about this is God's church. Don't lay your filthy hands on it. When I say that, I'm talking about me. I want, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. What does God say? I love David's heart. He says, I, David, he said to Solomon, I want you to be encouraged. I don't want you to be discouraged. He wanted him to have all the means that he needed to do what it was that God had called him to do. He called people in to help him. You see, we don't have loads of money, as you know, but I'm going to tell you, I can do this one part. God is calling all of you to unite. And to bring all the resources and giftings that God has given you 
when God establishes a leader in this house. And you say, whatever God has gifted and entrusted to me, whatever I'm a steward of, as far as my abilities, my talents, and my resource, they're committed to what God is doing in this house. How many of you are excited about the future? See, I can say this now, because I've only got four weeks, and then you, you, you can only, you know, I, I can say a lot of things now. <laughs> Doesn't mean I will, but I'm just saying this, and I'm being honest, because, you know, something, I, I will close with this, and people, I want you to know, I know, I know when, when it's time to cut it, and I will. My heart is to see this church thrive. There's not one ounce in me, not one hair, not one molecule that wants to see this church fail. I want to see whoever God brings into this house to move with an anointing and with a power and with God's blessing and God's advancement. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm praying over this house. I want to lay a foundation to you, a charge given to you. And you say, Lord, this is going to be a prayerful transition. This is going to be a transition where I lay down my, my agenda. It doesn't mean you don't give your thoughts. It just means that if your thoughts aren't received the way you want them to be, you don't weaponize and then pull God into something and say, well, God told me. Because that's another thing. Don't be running around saying, God told me to tell you to do this and to do that. Then you get 50 people running around telling everybody what God told them that they need to be doing. You pray for them because God can communicate with them better than anyone. Amen? Holy Spirit can speak. That doesn't mean you don't speak to them. You don't share your, your voice. Everyone should have a voice. Everyone should be counted. But at the end of the day, there should be that baptism into oneness. So I'm going to ask you if you'd pray with me today. Because, I, you know, to me, uh, what happens after I leave here is probably more important to me than even what we've, we've been involved with and done because, you know, I don't, I don't want to see it to become toxic. I don't want people to be drawing people to drink out of toxic wells. I want us to be a wellspring of life. Would you stand with me for a moment here? And let, let's just, this sounds like a hard word, but let me tell you, I read this word and I thought David could have done anything. He could have said, I'm not supporting this guy. I love him. He's my son. He's too immature. He can't do this, God. He can't do this. He doesn't know enough. Lord, I've been around a long time. Fought a lot of wars. He doesn't know anything about this stuff. He could have said all of that. And he said, yeah, yeah David's, or Solomon's young. He's inexperienced. He doesn't know. Uh, but I'm going to set him up just as well as I can to do what it is that God has called him to do. And I'm going to encourage him. That's what God wants you to do. That's what God wants you to be. Lord, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit in this house, Lord. It's not about a man. It's not about me. I'm too small in my thinking to ever truly comprehend one one millionth of what God knows. Lord, I can't even begin to fathom certain things, many things, most things about you because you're infinite and your knowledge is infinite. Your power is infinite. And Lord, I'm just small. I'm a man that would have no life in me but for the breath of God. 
Nothing we've accomplished, Lord, is, is because and for our glory. And Lord God, where we have failed, we have asked you to show grace to us and help us, Lord God, to learn as we move forward. I thank you for this dedicated group of people who, after nine years, Lord God, have remained faithful. They're here committed to the, to the family of God, committed to what God is doing here. Thank you for every person who's continued to serve faithfully, continued to pray over this house faithfully, to begin to continue to speak words of blessing upon God's house and upon those who lead and those who serve. And Lord, I thank you for each and every one. They're a gift to Robin and I, and the hardest thing about leaving here will be these folks here who have been part of the work of God from beginning to ending in these nine years. But Lord, they also are a source of great encouragement because I believe they will be the kind of people, Lord God, who are going to rally behind what God raises up in this next chapter, knowing, Lord God, that Lord, that this won't be a man's decision. It won't be, Lord, something that someone knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone or someone who will support my ministry. It'll be about who God has raised up and called to come to Bethel. And Lord, I believe and I envision in my heart families seated in these pews, adults, children, teenagers, elderly, Lord, all worshiping together. Lord, I believe on those who, Lord, are ministering to the children and caring for the nurseries are going to have to recruit additional help because there will be an overflow. I believe, Lord God, that whomever you call into this house, would you join me really intently on this? Whoever you call into this house, Lord God, We'll come into this house and we'll move with the current of the Holy Spirit and the support and love of those who believe that this is God's hour and this is God's appointment and we serve in God's season at Bethel. Lord, let this truly be a house that love is building, kindness, a place of healing where people can come in and find healing and find deliverance and find joy and freedom and life and friendship and belonging. And Lord, I thank you because, Lord, your house will be full and abundant with life teeming. Lord, I pray, I envision, Lord God, that you're going to raise one up who will, Lord, will be, Lord, your your selfless, committed, compassionate, humble, not perfect, Lord, none are perfect, but Lord God, someone whose heart is so tender toward God that nothing less than God's best will ever be good enough for this house. And Lord, we thank you for it. Bless each one. I thank so thankful for all the ministries of this house, for those who have served selflessly and faithfully, who have done, Lord God, things that no one knows about, Lord God, those who have been on their knees before God praying and no one knew about it except God. Those who have fasted and prayed and sought the heart of God on behalf of this house and all of those who serve in this body. Those who have said yes to do things that would take them beyond their comfort zones and beyond their abilities. Those who have remained faithful over the years doing the things, Lord God, that have blessed others. Thank you, Lord. 
We love you and we praise you. Tammy, would you would you lead us? Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.